And welcome to episode 161 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And we're going to talk about the Blair Witch Project, the famous documentary that shows why you should never go into the woods with me and Mike. And for God's sake, don't let Mike touch the fucking map. <laughs> you know what? That's just like a good rule for life. <laughs> I don't know why it didn't occur to me that the two guys in the original Lair Witch were Josh and Mike. Oh, that was like the first thing. I'm like, yeah, that's what happens when you go into the woods with me and him, because... <laughs> You're never seen again. Yep. My middle name's Heather. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> my I'm, middle name is Blair. I'm Ooh. Candy. <laughs> take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have... The Blair Witch. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you're interested in learning about the facts of life, you can always go to the Podcast Collective, where you can find such shows as the Bad Parenting Podcast, On the Block, No Hope for Humanity, The Coffin Joe Cast, Joel's Own, The Sunshine Happy Pants Hour, Dating Baggage, The Internet with Scott the Pool Boy, I Am Salt Lake, Mint in Box Cast, Tales from the Hard Side, The Dog and Deuce Show, The Empty Rant Podcast, and The Rad Dad Radio Hour. You know, sometimes when you say those, I hear The Dog Induced Show. <laughs> and it uh, still yes, doesn't make much more sense. a podcast where they bring a dog to labor every week. It's The Dog Induced Show. <laughs> Don't do that again, please. <laughs> Puppies! That was weird. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, so if you're uh, inducing a dog into labor on Saturday, and you'd like to hear something about noon, uh, you can find us on Geek Life Radio. Go there. We will be streaming our new shows live every Saturday at 12 o'clock. Yes, and if you want to check out our archives, you can always do that on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, and Google Play Podcasts. Yep. And then listener feedback. I became I became feedback. I became finished for a second there. Um, hey, Meester, how much for some listener feedback? <laughs> I don't know because we got none. But if you'd like to leave some, you can give us a call at seven zero eight now. Wrap that's seven zero eight six six nine nine seven two seven. Right on. So on that note, shall we jump right into the uh, this weekend? Uh, I think it's about that time. Word. This week in music. Movies and TV. <laughs> Spooky sports. Boo? All right. So uh, the theme, the date theme for this week is July 30th, 1999. The release of the Blair Witch Project. So technically still on that side of the line. It's it is it's barely but it's there. Uh, Genie in a Bottle by Christina Aguilera, 
Xtina begins its five week run at number one in the USA and down the downfall of America. No, I'm just Aww. kidding. Aww. She's I'm great. kidding. She rubs me the right way. She does? So do a lot of people, but that's... Uh, it's, that's genie How much does that cost? There's a genie in a bottle joke. From the I know, I got it. I was ignoring it. Ina Anita Carter was the youngest daughter of Ezra and Maybelline Carter and played upright bass with her sisters Helen Carter and June Carter Cash as the Carter sisters. The trio joined the Grand Ole Opry radio show in 1950 when Anita was 17, opened shows for Elvis Presley, and joined the Johnny Cash show in 1971. She died from overuse of prescription drugs on July 29th. Oh, should have seen that one coming. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean... I, I, I've, I've started rewording things a little. Yeah. I think, I think the yeah. fact she, she hung out with Elvis and Johnny Cash when she was 17. Yep, she's dead. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. fair. <laughs> it's amazing she lived as long as she did. True. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. You'll be dead in a week. <laughs> Sounded like Mr. Ed, I'm sorry. Uh, Woodstock 99 takes place July 22nd through 25th in Rome, New York. Approximately 200,000 people attended, and unlike the previous two incarnations of Woodstock, Woodstock 99 was marred by violence, rape, and fires. Yeah, it was notorious for being horrible. Yeah, the original was marred only by hippies. <laughs> and don't take the brown acid. All right, so I guess we are on to movies. Movies premiering this week, The Blair Witch Project, The Sixth Sense, Deep Blue Sea, Runaway Bride, and The Iron Giant. Oh, Iron Giant. I have only not seen one of those films. Uh, I'm going to go with Deep Blue Sea. Incorrect. I'm, I'm the same way, actually. I've only, there's one of those that I haven't seen only. I've seen all of those. I have not seen The Iron Giant. What? what? How I, can you? It's been on my list for years. It's just one of those that, like, I'm going to see it someday. And Mike, I just... you and I are in agreement, right? That's <laughs> terrible that they've missed it. That is I a agree. horrible thing. It wasn't thing. only like, until like the last two or three years that I even heard that it was good. I always just assumed it was a shitty kids movie. Oh, my God, no. It's it. Uh, it's probably, it's right up there in the, in the way of my animated movies. It's, it's in the top three along with... Um, uh, the Incredibles, but that has a lot to do with because it it's the same director. I would I would concur with Mike. It's in probably my top five, and I mean the it's it's every uh, animated movies. Yeah, oh, it's it's animated really. Still? Yeah, yeah, it's it's every little boy's fantasy to have a giant robot hmm. and he's, hang out with a beatnik uh, Harry Connick Jr. Exactly, <laughs> who drinks coffee. Constantly. I I never had that. That desire. I, I don't know if that's maybe because I wasn't into anime like you guys. You didn't want a giant robot. <clears throat> I didn't. I never wanted a giant robot. I wanted a giant monkey. <laughs> How about a giant monkey robot? <gasps> oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's a sweet spot. But... Something for I everyone. Just had an orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> a robot Moving monkey on. orgasm. Victor John Mature starred in several biblical movies during the 1950s and was known for his dark good looks and megawatt smile. His roles included 1 Million B.C., My Darling Clementine, Kiss of Death, Samson and Delilah, and The Robe, and a large number of musicals opposite such stars as Rita Hayworth and Betty Grable. On August 5th, leukemia got the best of him, and he died in his, in his Rancho Santa Fe, California. In his rancho, he, died, he died in his estate. Sorry. Ah, he died in his estate in Rancho Santa Fe, California. Can I just say Rita Hayworth? Absolutely. We are in agreement. I don't know. Betty Grable. 
She's up there. Yep, yep. You know the the big secret about that famous picture of her, right? Am I thinking of the right person? The one she's face facing back. There was a, a looking a over tunnel behind it. <laughs> a what? Oh, he's talking, oh, talking about, about Rita Hayworth. Oh, I was talking about Rita Hayworth. Sorry. Now, who's, the oh, well, who am I thinking of? The the picture from the. Woman You're talking about Betty Grable, where she's got her hands on her hips and she's looking backwards. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay, it wasn't Rita. It was Betty Grable. The the sec- the big secret on that one was she was actually pregnant when they shot that. Huh. Really? That's why she's that's why she's looking away from you and she's looking over her shoulder. And why she had a little bit of junk in the trunk. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Pat, for bringing us home. <laughs> Speaking of junk, you in like the trunk, junk in the trunk. <laughs> we'll move on to Joey Lynn King. Mm. Born July thirtieth. She's known mainly for her starring role as Ramona Quimby in Ramona and Beezus, and has also appeared in the films The Conjuring, Crazy Stupid Love, Independence Day Resurgence, and the acronym of the week, OTGAP, which is, of course, the classic Otters Tickle Grandpa's Ancient Prostate. (laughs) I like it. We're sticking with that one. I'm not even going to mention what the real title is. (laughs) Which, strangely, was an animated movie. (laughs) <laughs> uh, no, that is actually Oz the Great and Powerful. Oh. You were close. I, I'd rather watch we the other like one. Josh's. Once again, your streak continues. We always like Josh's better. for 161. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that is movies. Now we're on to TV. Uh, the top shows this week in the U.S. are Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Friends, ER, and Frasier. And That's a I, very 90s lineup. I know, right? And I have seen two of those shows. Really? Yeah. I've seen, I've seen all of them. I haven't seen a bunch of ER, but at least I've seen some. Um, yeah, I've never seen Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I've never seen ER. I've seen all of them. I watched ER pretty religiously. Friends, I've seen multiple times. And uh, yeah, I watched Frasier when it was on. But I love Frasier. Niles Who is the best be part new? about Frasier. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I and got it. Now yours was pretty regular. Sorry. What was right. It? No, I was just going to say, I got in on the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, like, it's second or third episode, right as the hype was building up, just to see what all the fuss was about. And yeah, it was fine. I, yeah. I watched the first, like, the first year or two of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire pretty religiously until they started putting it on, like, five days a week. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to watch this much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it did get to be too much there. All right. So, and that uh, is my final answer. Going <laughs> back to uh, Grandpa's Prostate. <laughs> uh, the Discovery Health Channel debuts August 2nd. Is that even still on? I was just about to say the same thing. I don't know if it's still on. I can't it's one of those where you have to have satellite TV or the cable package that costs like $600 a month. Mm. And then uh, just because on July 26th, the Fred on Your Head show debuted on the Noggin Network. <laughs> 1999. Yep. That's a thing. That's that's what you wanted me. That's what you wanted me to say, huh? That was just a fun sentence. The Fred on Your Head show debuted on the Nugget Network. Huh? It was a kid show. I have show. no idea what it is, and I don't really care. What is it? Somebody's searching, and I know uh, that I am right network. now. It's uh, the Fred on Your Head show was starring Doug Priest, who is American voice actor known for his role as Fred on the Fred on Your Head show. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that cleared it up. Yeah, Obviously. there you go. That's like defining a word using. Oh itself. wait, a jump back. He does uh, the. He also does the voice of Lucky the Leprechaun on for the Lucky Charms commercials and Johnny Jovni. 
that kid, that's got to be a mistype right there. J O V N Y the stork, Jovni the stork, and Vlasic pickles. Hmm. He's the pickle guy. He, he voices the stork on for Vlasic pickles. Yeah, apparently. Is that what you're saying? That's what. Yeah, it that's says. like a Groucho impression. Yeah, really good. Damn. Yeah. But I can't tell. Oops, sorry about that. I'm trying to look up the name of Vlasic pickle stork name. Pickle stork name. Oh, look at that. What is it? Doesn't... Jovny. J-O-V-N-Y. So there you go. That's gotta be an acronym or something. No, it's... It's, well... I I don't know, but there you go. It'll win you uh, uh, bar trivia. (laughs) That's interesting. I mean, it's probably Eastern European. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Yeah, Vlasic. Frank Vlasic. He immigrated from Croatia to Detroit. Oh, like and then went back to Croatia. No, his father's name or his grandfather's. Yeah, that's like a that's like a good yeah good Polish Czechoslovakian name. Yeah, Uvni. All right, cool. So uh, that's all I got. Hey, Patrick, you got sports? Yes, sir. Sports on July twenty fifth, Lance Armstrong wins the eighty sixth Tour de France, a title which is later taken away due to steroid usage. Well, mostly you get their steroid usage. Bust, getting busted for it. It wasn't the usage, it was the getting caught. Well, I think part of it was they did the test and went, wait a second, he's taking steroids and all the other bikers went, no! Yeah. What? All the other bikers went, please don't test my pee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just Tony glad. Hawk becomes the first skater to ever land a 900 on July 27th at the X Games on his 11th and final attempt. That is insane. Just yeah. for people who don't know skateboarding, that's how many degrees of rotation. So that's like two and a half full rotations in the air. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. And it's only been done by four people in the history of ever. Of and, ever. Yeah, and he's being he was the first one. So. And he's still still doing stuff. He just did it. I mean, he for his what what is he forty second or whatever whatever birthday he's it was. He four, just celebrated. He he 48. did another nine hundred. Yeah, 48. which is crazy impressive at that age. Consist- I'm not even a skateboard fan, and that um, that impresses me. Yeah. You know my history with skateboards. Yeah, you eat them. What? I don't know. Apparently, he doesn't. I don't know your history with skateboards. Why are you eating I, skateboards? I bought one. I rode it once. I fell off, and I was like, "Nope, I'm not falling off again." And I stopped. That's like my history with motorcycles. Yeah, same here. My history with motorcycles is very brief and tragic. Moving on. (laughs) Yes. In the second match of a four-game test between New Zealand and England held July 22nd to the 25th, New Zealand's bid to win the first test in Bulawayo started badly due to Zimbabwe's last 50 runs. Zimbabwe was 300 for 8, and New Zealand needed to get itself into a position of strength by bowling Zimbabwe out a second time. And there's no guarantee of that happening, with the side finishing the second day at 62 for 2. The match provided Captain Stephen Fleming to score a long-awaited third test century. Paul Wiseman took his second five-wicket bag in test matches and lifted his test tally of wickets to 29. But it was all for naught as New Zealand won the day by nine wickets. I think Big Trouble in Little Bit China would have been different if they had a five-wicket bag instead of a five-demon bag. <laughs> Helps you see things. Hopes you understand cricket. <laughs> I feel pretty good. I don't know about you guys. I feel pretty good. Yeah, I'm just looking at what Patrick said, and I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know some of those words. Like A and the. 
and <laughs> England. <laughs> and 300. That would... I... I do want to learn this, but it's so, it's like trigonometry. (laughs) So, there's this. Patrick could just put in like word salad for cricket terms, and we wouldn't know if he was (laughs) giving a shit. (laughs) I'm going to do that some week eventually. Just try it out. Just type a whole bunch of nonsense cricket stuff and see if I can make it sound legit. Well, it might get Killer Wilbur to leave us a voicemail. Yeah. You could do like uh, autocomplete on your phone for cricket terms. All right, so there's this weekend, and I found something on my computer that was marked. I'd have to download the Australian dictionary. Yeah, it was marked this weekend outro, so we'll see what this says. Cleveland! (laughs) Ohio! Ohio. (laughs) All right, so there we have an outro now. Awesome. All right, on to the main did, show. Did that like evolve naturally? <laughs> Nobody just, put that in the show; it just kind of grew. Just the uh, things on the show notes just sort of show up left and right. Yeah, so. our, our show notes are becoming self-aware. <laughs> oh God, let's hope that never happens. Stop it! <laughs> show notes gonna be like, yeah. "What the fuck is up with cricket?" <laughs> All right, so 1999, uh, Blair Witch came out. Dun, 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 dun. Was that supposed to be Prince? He was dreaming when he wrote that. Forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Blair Witch Project. Pat, you're going too fast. 1999 American found footage psychological horror film uh, by Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez. It's a fictional story of Heather, Michael, and Josh who hike into the Black Hills near the fictional town of Burkittsville, Maryland in 94 to film a documentary about the local uh, legend of the Blair Witch. They disappear, but their video and sound equipment with the footage is discovered a year later, and what we are supposed to be watching is the recovered footage from the film. Now, uh, it is thought to be the first viral marketed movie ever. Um, Which is true. It's not the first found footage film, but it's the first one to make it really big. I mean, before this, you've got Cannibal Holocaust, Man Bites Dog, and a bunch of shit that nobody but Joel has ever heard of. (laughs) The last last broadcast is really the the, the original in terms of what they were doing here. Man Bites Dog is more documentarian, and Cannibal Holocaust is questionable. See, what was the Um, first one you just said? The last broadcast. Okay, see, have you heard of that, Josh? Only when I was looking up uh, found footage films. Pat, have you heard Which that? I've seen it. No. See, I haven't and heard it, so Josh is right. Yeah. There were some complaints noticed. about that one, though. Because this came out just barely before that had been released previously, and it overshadowed it. Because they did the viral marketing. Well, yeah, they, you know? um, they created fake police reports, newsreel-style interviews. Um, they created IMDb pages for the uh, actors, all listed as missing, presumed dead for the first year. Um, they also had material on the website. They had uh, the actors posing, as, well, not the actors, but actors posing as police and investigators giving testimony about the case and talking about the, the uh, missing film students and showing pictures of them and basically built a whole... Um, Almost like an AR, like a, uh, augmented reality type thing. Yeah, I mean, Which, the website was sort of their source document for the mythical legend, and they realized, hey, this is really good stuff. Let's turn it into a web page. Right. 
Well, and I remember specifically when this was out, going over, we were over at Dennis's house, and I don't remember, or his apartment over on the Bon Villa, the haunted oh, one. the haunted I don't one, who yeah. who else was there. But uh, we were watching all the little clips on there, and kind of, we were like, is this real or not? And we didn't know, and that's what made it that much more freaking creepy. And, the, and there was another time um, over at Mike's apartment where, uh, I hate to mention his name, but Pete Meridian uh Started talking about it, and he opened up his laptop and started showing us this all the videos and trailers. And stuff. Well, yeah, because the buzz started at the Cannes Film Festival, and Pete was actually the reason why Joel and I ended up seeing it before it debuted in between Cannes and the wide release in the theater. And I actually uh, got to see it before the release too. Um, I won tickets from a contest at, at the at the bar I was working at. It was a shot selling contest, and hey, I won. Yeah. I mean, half the shots I sold to myself, but, you know, whatever. Hey, whatever works, man. Well, <laughs> and at that time, if if it wasn't the stuff that was on the internet, there really wasn't a lot out there. And so you kind of relied on word of mouth in a lot of ways. Um, and I think even to the point when we first walked into the theater, there was still a question mark. Yeah. I mean, you're pretty sure it was just a movie, but it was just believable enough. And I think that's... Your reception on this movie, uh, a lot of people listening might say, I saw Blair Witch and it was boring and uh, the characters were annoying. But if you're coming at it from thinking, okay, this is three college film students and this is what they could piece together of the shit that they had from their outtakes. Well, yeah, college film students are annoying and they argue all the time. So it was plausible, and that added something. I, I know a lot of people have like called it the Shake the Camera and Bitch Project, and they didn't like it. But for me, we were coming at it from a different place, because even if you didn't believe it was real, thinking it just might be added something to the experience. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's... Um, oh, sorry. And just the fact that the, the the backlash hadn't even started yet by the time most of us got to see it, you know, it, and we were still, you know, thinking, just open minded going in to see it. Nobody had given reviews. Nobody had shit all over it. Your friends weren't talking about how, oh, it's awful. You know, you're going to come out with a headache, all that kind of crap. You know, mm-hmm. none of that had started yet. So we got to see it fresh with no negative uh, forethought. Yeah, there was no YouTube spoilers or anything like that. Right. Want to get into the cast and trivia? Yeah, so Heather oh, Donahue. Oh, real quick, one more thing. No. Um, oh. Oh, no, go ahead. <laughs> when when I was talking about this online, because I was getting geared up for the show, it was interesting because, you know, for me, this is literally one of my top ten favorite horror films of all time. Um, Same here. But actually. my mom commented in, in, in my post about it that she, to this day, still finds it to be one of the most boring uh uneventful lackluster and she just you know had quite a few negative things and considers it one of the worst films of all time i know i I liked your mom that's that's a prime example of what josh is talking about where if you have the experience we had you're going to hold it maybe at a different regard than if you knew everything and you went into it after the fact and we're like oh so anyway you were saying so okay so uh heather donahue plays heather donahue josh leonard and michael c williams play their specific names um, I didn't include anybody else because this movie is all about these three. Yeah, it's a quick cast list. Anyway. Uh, little bit of trivia that's not in the trivia. Uh, I looked up 
uh, all three of these people just to see what else they had done. And Mike Williams has only done a few things. Heather Donahue has done a few more, but Josh Leonard has done quite a bit. And Josh Leonard's wife is someone who we know fairly well. Josh Leonard is married to Allison Pill. Interesting. Yes. I didn't realize that. I I mean, I knew it was what? I was just going to say, it was something that I encountered while I was like, holy crap, this guy's got 78 film credits. What else has he done? And then I saw Spouse. I was like, I know her. And I've kind of followed Heather Donahue after the film came out because I just was fascinated by her. So I kind of watched her career and saw her. She did a movie with Jason Biggs, I think it was, called Him and Her or something. But she, she only acted for a while, and then she did a little bit of TV, and then she stopped acting. And what mm-hmm. she did was she went on to um, uh, write a book, and uh, I think she has a she has a, a marijuana crop, like a farm. Like she grows medicinal marijuana, if I remember correctly. Hmm. And that's like her thing. Yeah. Oh, I was... thought I heard someone questioning whether they knew who Allison Pill was. Yeah, that was me. I looked it up. She was in Snowpiercer. And she was the main love interest in Goon, and she was the drummer in Scott Pilgrim. That's true. Yep. All right. So uh, some trivia on this one. This film was in the Guinness Book of World Records for the top budget-to-box office ratio for a mainstream feature film. And it, it would have to be because they made it for $5 in a box of cereal. Pretty much. Uh, they, I mean... They they rented or they bought camera equipment with credit cards, and when they were done filming, they returned it. <laughs> yep, to Circuit City. So they're responsible for them shutting down. <laughs> um, they it cost sixty thousand dollars to make, and it made back two hundred and forty eight million with a ratio of for every one dollar spent, they received just over uh, just under eleven thousand dollars. So that's ridiculous. Uh, that's a pretty good return I, on your investment. Oh hell yeah. Joel? And I can't imagine that it's not still turning a profit because, I mean, uh, with DVD sales, and I'm sure they're going to come out with a, a, you know, a super special deluxe Blu-ray here at some point, which I'm kind of crossing my fingers on. Um, and the other marketing stuff that they had, plus the name, I mean, alone. So, yeah. Uh, they just That's got crazy. $4 more from me because, uh, just like everything, they r- produce a remake and they cut it off of the free sections and all the streaming stuff. And I was like, okay, $4 to rent it, fine. Mm. <laughs> so uh, fans were so convinced of the Blair Witch's existence that they flocked to Maryland in hopes of discovering the legend, and they apparently did not read the closing credits of the film. Yeah, the town had, uh, like, I mean... They had to hire additional security and stuff for a couple months after that film because, I mean, so many people were just coming to that town and just wrecking shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. they're like all trouncing through the woods and stuff and breaking well, everything. one of the other trivia that I saw was that the hunting season in that area was like shot to hell because there was uh, like, I could believe it. You know, it's people running around there the whole time scaring off all the, uh, scaring off everybody, so... Uh, this also uh, took eight days to shoot, but eight months to edit. Mm-hmm. Which kind of makes sense. <clears throat> um, the, like, the actors were given a 35-page outline of the mythology before, or behind the plot before the shooting began, but um, it was more like a uh, like a just an outline, like like I said, I guess. Like show notes already. But so they actually improvised everything when they were out there. I mean, which is pretty cool. Well, and and they were literally out there 
the entire time and the without the film crew well not the film crew the directors and the other people that were involved being seen or interacting with them the only interaction they had was that they would leave them a little um like pack periodically and it was specific to each person so they would get little notes about okay this is what you're need to try and work in at some point and so like mike knew that his role was going to be the one that kind of jacks things up by kicking the map they, the other guys didn't know that that he had gotten rid of the map and they just gave each one of them guidance like that so that and they, they were all acting were completely organic exactly but that and was it otherwise they, they were no idea what, the, what, what all the plot twists were going to be among other you know and you know so th- there was genuine surprise and, and fear you know well, Same thing with the house. They hadn't seen it until that exact moment when they showed up. And one of the things of, uh, one of the other things that they did with these, with them was as it went on, they would leave them food also in the mor- in, in the mornings. Uh, they kept cutting back the amount of food that they, nice. that they had. So pe- they were, ac- when they were hungry, they were actually, they were hungry. You know, it was like, hmm. so. And then, uh, what I considered the scariest scene of the entire movie. <clears throat> was actually a, an error by the cameraman. <laughs> uh, the scene where the where the, the tent gets starts getting smacked and they get out and they they start running. They're like, just run, just run. Well, the Blair Witch was supposed to be seen during that scene as they were running. Heather, when Heather yells, "Oh my God, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that?" The cameraman was supposed to pan to the left, and the, and there was a woman wearing a white gown in the distance. But the cameraman, I guess, in his own <laughs> fear and in the moment, forgot to pan to the left, and they decided not to reshoot it. A wise decision. Yeah. Yeah. yeah why would you? You could not recreate that. Well, yeah, plus, that, that was just so perfect. Her screaming that, and you're like, and you're like, what is it? What is it? What What is she screaming about? And they pay, he does pan a little to the left, but not far enough to catch the shot. I guess. Well, and just the fact that you still can't see exactly what it is she's freaking out about. It's that whole thing I've talked about before. It's one of my favorite things about. A good horror movie is like how you know what it's something that Alfred Hitchcock understood. It's like how you perceive things in your mind. Most of the time, is going to be scarier than anything that you can actually portray on film. Yes, Josh, what, what were you going to say? I was oh. going to say exactly what Pat was saying. Less is more. Not showing the creature is stronger than showing the creature. And that and, gives and that I, harkens back to like what I was saying last week on the thing that you know that CGI giant, you know. Blair monster that we never actually got to see in the first, you know, I think it's better to not see that. Well, yeah, that no, was also a lot of people's <laughs> right. Because I mean, like, if this was like like a like a Lovecraftian Cthulhu type thing, obviously at some point you have to see the monsters, but in all their glory and everything. But like you know, in the psychological thriller that doesn't have that kind of a payoff, you don't you you don't need to build to that. You know, just the 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 suspense alone is enough to give you a damn heart attack. I'm not sure I even agree for Cthulhu like cosmic horror. You, you see uh, a hint of a tentacle, something slithering, uh, a bright light in the reactions of the actors. I think it's even stronger. I agree with that, but I mean, don't you? Wouldn't you say that like if you had a, I don't know, like a trilogy Cthulian movie, Cthulian? at the end of it, you would have to show Cthulhu. I just know that uh, the movie we talked about last week that we saw and you didn't. They do show the Cthulhu beast in all its glory at the end, and it wrecks the movie. Well, and th- that was a, one of the biggest complaints about this film after everybody knew what was going on and, and whatnot, is it? they're like, well, you don't really, you don't see anything. You don't ever see anything. I'm like, that's kind of the point. 
you know, and besides how many of these ghost hunter shows and various, uh, actual paranormal type things that are filmed, do they ever see anything of any substance anyway? It's, it's something moves or, you know, there's a sound, an EVP. So it's no different than that. Right. Well, one of the things that kind of jacked it up also was when the movie that shall not be spoken of, Blair Witch 2, came out. Uh, Todd McFarlane's action figure company decided to make an action figure of it. So that kind of blew some of the uh, mystery of it too, also, because, you know, they yeah. had to have that. And, and it I just never understood. Like a, a variation of the, uh, the demon from, uh, oh crap, what is that movie? Uh, with the giant horns and the big old smile. Legend? Yeah, legend. Thank you. Well, and the thing is, is that the the character, even though I don't care for the the McFarlane thing, that it's loosely based on what the filmmakers had in mind, based on their rough outlines of what it was supposed to be. So there's some reality to it, but it's it's mainly his interpretation of of that. So yeah, I, I don't care for that figure. All right, but I've seen it, and Mike just posted it in the chat. Right. And also a Blitter Witch teddy bear. No. Did Paranormal Activity surpass this one as the number one return of, of investment? That's weird. I don't know. Uh, because I don't think so. I, I think Paranormal Activity cost more, but they made like twice as much, I think. Um, it does see. look like uh, Paranormal Activity is the top, I think. Yes. Uh, f- budget four hundred and fifty thousand, profit eighty nine million. Oh, okay, so it cost less. Yeah, but it was greater return. Which okay. and it's bond a franchise which now has strung along five. Uh, let's see, is it five? There's one Japanese take on it which hasn't hit the states, but I've seen it and it's it's actually pretty good. And then there's no, there's. Well, there will be I six. I saw the second one and I gave up. I was like, okay. I'm As of go. the most recent. The, the last one, the ghost dimension was, I, uh, yeah, there's six films because then there was the marked ones, which was basically a superhero movie. <laughs> um, no, I'm not kidding. And, um, and then the, the ghost dimension, the last one, which just took it to a whole nother realm of kind of like, okay, now you've jumped the shark. You've gone beyond what the, the franchise was designed to be. And, I'm a fan of the whole series, and I've seen them all, obviously, but, yeah. Anyway, back to Blair Witch. Oh, the uh, the numbers are, e- are even better on Paranormal Activity. The budget was only 15000 Oh, yeah, so there you go. That, that, with that's... a gross of $193 million. So, yeah, it cost, like, a quarter of what Blair Witch cost to make. Yeah. So, um, let's just start with, I guess, kind of, we'll... Do we? I don't think we really. Do we need to do a, a wrap up like of the plot? Well, I mean, it's very, very basic to begin with. I mean, you've got the uh, sort of behind the scenes shots from the hand cam of them like getting together, preparing to make the documentary. Yeah, the establishing shots, so you kind of get a feel for their characters, personalities, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and you've got the various interviews with the people in uh, Burkittsville, Maryland, which I thought were really strong, especially the scene where the mother is trying to tell the story of the Blair Witch and the little kid keeps putting her hand over her mouth. Yep. No, no, no. Yeah, and and that's something you can't tell the kid to do either. I mean, that that was just the kid reacting to what mom was saying. Right, and it just worked so well. 
And then, you know, the interview with the guys fishing and everything. I mean, everything was done really well to look like a documentary-style shooting. And some people have complained about Heather Donahue's character and the acting. And if you've ever met a pretentious fourth-year college film student, she was dead on. You know who she? Yeah. You, you know you know who she reminded me of? Another character in 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 TV sitcom lore. She reminded she. This was like what what I would imagine uh, Diane Chambers would be like. Like oh it's, yeah yeah from like, Cheers just, yeah from Cheers yeah just you know because she'd be out there trying to be like I'm the director I'm in charge and you know you don't question me and I've got this all under control but in the meantime falling apart on the inside and then as soon as the cameras turn on just has this really pretentious ty- type voice and everything and tries to sound all serious and yeah she's, like she's, she's a Diane Chambers type. She was like so over the top. Was like behind me. You have right, love. yeah. <laughs> and that is like you said. That is exactly like a first, second year film student. You know, oh, who fresh. hasn't figured out yet how to how to like sound like a human being when the camera is running. Oh, when she's in the graveyard. Right. Yeah, just, just yeah. we're talking about her voice just in general. Like you know, as soon as the camera started rolling, she, you know, and she reminded me of, of Diane Chambers. <laughs> well, part of it was well, that the they character. Act- yeah. They actually gave them the equipment uh, a couple days before, so it's like Mike, or not Mike, Josh only had a couple days to figure out the, you know, how to focus that thing, and what, what and how many feet were to a meter. Yeah, <laughs> that was oh, a weird. All of the dumb arguments are totally like college kids uh, uh, trying to out professional each other and getting pissed about attitude and like that's what happens. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean we. The four of us have had these arguments with each other, I'm sure, at some point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and which which I'm kind of upset that we weren't, like, recording all this the whole time. We could have put together an amazing movie. <laughs> Look, they've been arguing about pineapples for the last half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but when are we going to see the witch? Oh. <laughs> oh. Um, Go ahead. I had to... Well, there's something I was going to say, and then I lost my train of thought after I was thinking about pineapple. Uh, if I had a dollar. Damn pineapple. When you start to get to the creepy stuff, it's also a very slow burn. I mean, you get to the cemetery only being creepy because it's like you're stumbling across it in the middle of the woods. And instead of headstones, you've got these weird piles of rocks. That, and then that, that's like seriously, uh, seriously backwoods burial style. <laughs> right. And then the same grave markers start showing up outside their tent after they've heard noises, uh, like branches breaking, people running around on all sides of them at night. And it's just, like, this it's such a slow burn, like you said, of, of fear, that if you don't buy into the, to the, to, to the whole story, to the, to the feel, if you don't let yourself get absorbed into, you know, I'm watching something, you know, I'm watching something I'm not supposed to necessarily see, and, you know, and, and you let it happen... Then, it's, then it is a really good horror movie, but I mean, what was happening in the theaters? Because I took somebody to see this movie like like two weeks after you know after it had it had opened and every you know, and I you know and and they were like, oh, this was no good. I was like, well, yeah, because literally in the theater, people were like laughing all the time and like oh shouting like oh this is stupid you know oh you don't go you know and and everybody was just be, you know like doing everything they could to be like 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 oh it's this ain't you know this ain't scary I'm not scared no matter you know you you can't scare me. And it, you know, it just defeats the purpose. Like, if if you're going into this movie with the attitude of like, like, this is going to be dumb. It can't. It's not going to be scary. 
I won't be scared by it, you know. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, Which, of course, you're, you know, you're gonna, you're not gonna like it. It's gonna be a movie full of nothing but you know rocks banging and, tr- and and limbs cracking and you know and shaky camera work and people pitching. That's what it is going to be to you because you didn't buy into it from the beginning. Well, and which is pretty much the opposite of the way that I saw it because I did I, I don't know if I talked about this in the last show, but we went to go see it. I think I saw it with Dennis. Not sure. I mean, I forget who I saw it with, but I saw it at the Lake Theater in Oak Park and somebody had brought their brother or son or someone who was uh mentally disabled best way to put it <laughs> yeah I, I remember this story yeah and through the entire movie there were when we you know the tense moments would start they would start expressing it and you'd have this in the back of it and it was like that's not helping Mike can't decide. Is this is this making this scarier or funnier? I, I can't. I, well, no, it, it was making me actually put me a little on edge because it was like it was <laughs> kind of like out of the blue. You know, it's like when they when they stepped out and they saw all the things hanging in the trees. Oh my god! Look at all those. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, so well, you know what? A couple things. You know what's interesting is is all the things that happen throughout the film. Uh, maybe this is part of the reason why some people don't care for it is that there's not the same kind of exposition that you have in a traditional narrative where, you know, especially this day and age, they got to give you every single plot point word for word. Otherwise the audience is going to be like, huh? So here at the beginning, they give you all the main highlights that they then revisit as they happen to them in the film later on, like the, you know, uh, Mike in the corner or the, the, uh, the rocks out in front of the, uh, the tent, you know, all these little things that they were explained, explained <laughs> right? But they're not explained explicitly, and they're done over in such a way that you know, if you don't pay attention, you're not necessarily going to catch it. Um, the other thing was that with this movie that I think uh, maybe gets glossed over a little bit is that it really created a sense of fear in the woods, kind of like Jaws did for going in the ocean. Um, I, I was never a big. <laughs> fan of it, right, where after seeing this... Someone goes to see this, oh no, we're in the woods, run away, oh my god, we're in the ocean, run back, oh my god, we're in the woods! (laughs) They're they're in Northern California. The ocean forest, no! I'm I'm gonna make a horror movie that takes place on a plane. It's just gonna be in the middle of one giant field. (laughs) Um, There he is, run! He can still see us! No one can ever hide anywhere. You're just running the entire time. <laughs> Crouch down. Maybe he'll think you're a rock. <laughs> oh, no. I'm scared of rocks. No, Go to the ocean. No rocks. Oh, crap. Go to the woods. Um, Stay away you know, from these the, cans. <laughs> after I saw this movie, after it came out, I I literally like grabbed as much paraphernalia and things as I could about it. I bought all the magazines with them on the cover. I watched all the the late night talk shows with them being interviewed. I, you know, I literally tried to get anything and everything I could associated with it because I just, something about this hit a nerve in me. And I just, and I think that's why it's remained so high on my list of horror films is that, uh, the timing, the characters, the, the way it was done, everything about it just is like all my sweet spots. So I have a bunch of magazines and stuff in boxes downstairs from when it was out. But, but do you have the Blair Witch porn parody? Uh, which one? Uh, 
Let's take that as a yes. Yeah. Here. And invite no further discussion. Yeah. Is it called the Whore Witch? What's it called? No, it's well. There's. Go ahead. Which one the, do you well, have? There was a, well, there's a couple of different versions. There's the there's the Blair Witch, Witch parody Triple X. There's the Babe Witch Project. There's a Blair Bitch Project. There's, I mean, there's multiple incarnations of it. And then there's all the horrible comedy ripoffs that aren't porn. And I officially so rescind yes. my question. The short answer is yes, I have seen that. <laughs> I don't own any porn. The happiness box vanished. Well, it didn't vanish. It was willed. Um, willed when I left it? the apartment to yeah. Josh, right? And I uh, and then I'd it was never... stolen piece by piece by my brother's stoner friends, and when I was in my <laughs> late twenties. Yeah, I've never bought porn since then. Um. I, they also had the curse of the Blair Witch, where they uh, deepened the mythology around, like what happened after the FBI search, the uh, where the footage was found. Uh, one of the things that always stuck with me that I found intensely creepy was that the footage, the film cans, and the dat tapes were found in an undisturbed foundation of a hundred-year-old cabin. Uh, a year later by these anthropology students like they're working on this cabin and they're uh checking for tunnels under and suddenly a section of the wall crumbles when they touch it wrong and the bag with all of the tapes in it is inside the wall that it could not possibly have been put in Ooh, yeah i, I just that is a time traveler that detail just stuck with me and was as chilling to me as anything in the movie itself now, Pat, what you just said, hold on to that. Yeah, I don't, because, I mean, there's actually, was a, the, the only, well, yeah, we'll talk about Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in the second half. Yeah. I know where all of us are going there. <laughs> yeah. But they also made kind of a uh, Blair Witch book, which I've got here, which uh, has uh, all of the documents in the Bla- uh, Curse of the Blair Witch, because they get into how uh, Heather's mother just wouldn't give up the search. The local sheriffs uh, basically said, uh, case is closed, they faked the footage, They're they've run off somewhere, and the mom wouldn't let it go. She hired a private eye to uh, dig into it, and the book I've got sitting right here right next to me is all of the documents uncovered on behalf of the family by the private eye, all of the interviews he conducted. It's really interesting, if sort of dry stuff, because it's all in document format. You know what I want to see? I want to see an X-Files Blair Witch crossover. I think that would uh, be a lot of fun. I would probably jizz in my pants. (laughs) Oh, wait, Probably. (laughs) More. We call that Tuesday. (laughs) I don't know how much more we have on this, but before we jump into the break for the the second half, I do want to at least briefly touch on the the sequel, just because I watched (laughs) it last night. Again. What, what, one thing why, is... Why, uh, why would you do that? I like the Blair Witch Project so much, I saw that in the theater. And I'm still mad about it. See, I, I haven't seen the seen this, but one of the things with the original, before we move on to the, the yeah. Not Should Be Spoken of sequel, I've I watched it, been watching these horror movies with Katie. Um, just because she's, you know, she's old enough, she's 16, she can start watching it. And she was just kind of like... Yeah, that was creepy. You know, so you've got that generational thing. But again, she had seen YouTube videos about it. She had seen, like, I sent the one YouTube video to you guys about how it was actually just a plot to kill Heather. 
uh, and all these different theories. So she she watched it. She was just kind of like, yeah, it was kind of weird, you know, kind of. It was more of to her. It was more of a the they got lost in the forest and bad things happened story versus a supernatural type story. So that's it. So Joel. All right. Talk well, about the sequel, because you saw it more most recently. And I'll keep it short. But the two things. First of all, the, the, before I get to the sequel, there was at one point they were tossing around the idea of making another film. The the original creators, um, either focusing on the Rustin Parr story or um, the original story uh, uh, from the was it the forties? John, well, the, the going, the prequel basically. Um, but that never came to fruition anyway. So, so somehow the Blair Witch atrocity book of shadows was made. Uh, Joe Berlin, Berliner, Berlinger, Berlinger. I don't know how to say his last name. The guy that did, uh, the amazing documentary series about the West Memphis three paradise lost. He got tapped to do this and it's incoherent. It's very little to do with the original film. In the bigger picture sense, it's done horribly. It's got crappy music in it. It's put together badly. There's nothing redeeming about it. It's it's literally one of the worst films I've ever seen. And the only thing that it has redeeming is that it basically focuses on a group of people who are cashing in on the whole phenomenon. And they're starting to take tours around in the town to make money. And so they basically are playing up on that whole thing that happened in real life afterwards. But then they get into this weird story about these people that kill these other people and they don't know that they've killed them. And I don't know. It's, it, it, I highly recommend you don't ever watch it. I've seen it twice and that's, that's enough for everyone in the entire world. Yeah. I mean, it was a blatant cash grab. The original team w- were like, we'll do a sequel, but we're not ready. And the studio's like, well, we've got the rights. So we're doing this. And uh, they brought in a guy who didn't quite understand the source material and wanted to go in a different direction. And even after he made the not very good sequel, the studio went back in, re-edited, added different music, and reshot additional scenes to make it more marketable, making it one of the worst reviewed horror films of all time. And it's literally like every bad cliche and trope of 2000 jammed into one movie. And it's, it's, it, 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 as far it's as like, like a, a social it's like a experiment, funny scary movie, right? It's like a social experiment of like this is what was wrong with horror films in this time period. It's the perfect example of what to watch, but it's it's so horribly bad. I don't I don't recommend anyone. No. Ugh. All right. All right so we're ending on an up note. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, time for a break. That sounds like a good idea. All right, when we come back, we are going to be talking about the brand new sequel, uh, 2016's Blair Witch. Excellent. We'll be back in a little bit. So what's up? Are you happy with the way the documentary's going? Yes, I am. Yeah? Yeah. And I'm very pleasantly surprised by our little Mikey. Our little Mikey? Our little Mikey. All right, we are back. So in 2016, they said, what would happen... This girl's little brother came to find her, and they made Blair Witch 2016, which is just called Blair Witch. Yeah, they toyed with some other titles, but uh, really, Blair Witch was the the one that stuck. Right. Well, Adam Wingard originally, in an attempt to hide what he was doing, 
just referred to it as The Woods, and that's what it was originally released under with the trailer so that people wouldn't know what they were doing. And uh, people caught on pretty quick when they caught some of the uh, totems in the background, the little oh, stickmen. He's done VHS and VHS 2. He did, yeah, segments in that. He I did, haven't uh, seen your either next, of those. The guest. He's uh, a friend of the Creeper cast and one of uh, the new crop of horror directors that are making a mark. I do have to say that he, I'm, I'm interested in his com- upcoming uh, Death Note for 2017. Yep, that's his current project. And I highly recommend seeing the guest. It's streaming on Netflix. It is a action film in the style of the old 80s style, but as done by a horror director with horror pacing and elements. And it is amazing. All right, so the tagline on this one is, uh, After discovering a video showing what he believes to be his vanished sister Heather, James and a group of friends head to the forest believed to be inhabited by the Blair Witch. Ooh, spooky. Spooky. So, yeah, directed by Adam Wingard, this is directed by Simon Barrett, known for Blair Witch, The Guest, You're Next, and VHS, uh, which is surprisingly the same portfolio as Adam Wingard. So these guys have worked together yeah, so, they, as director and writer before. Right. So Yes, several times. This is starring uh, James Allen McCune, who is uh, known for Shameless, which is honestly a pretty damn good show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. He was uh, one of the standout actors, as far as I was concerned, for this. Yeah. I mean, then he's also able to play opposite William H. Macy, which is fantastic. Uh, Al- Kelly Hernandez, who is in uh, coming up in the new upcoming Alien Covenant, and is in the current La La Land, which is Tracy. Great, we have to see more of her. I'm, are you upset? <laughs> Sorry, getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Corbin Reed, who is in uh, TV show Murder and uh, in World Words with Girls from 2014. Oh, don't know what that is. I don't know what that is either. Brandon Scott uh, is. In Wreck-It Ralph as Kohut, who I don't know who that is, but he also is in the video game The Last of Us as Henry. Yeah, it looks like he's done a lot of video game voices and shorts. Yeah, a lot of voice acting on that guy. If you haven't seen Wreck-It Ralph, I do recommend that, by the way. Ah, I see what you did there. Wreck-It Ralph was fantastic. Yes, it was. Good stuff. So, uh, Wes Robinson, uh, along with Blair Witch, he was uh, in Mad Men and Roadies, uh, Showtime and AMC Joints. Uh, and Valerie Curry, who was in The Tick as Dot. Well, and she's, I, the first time I ever saw her was in The Following, the Kevin Bacon TV show that ran for a few seasons. Uh, really good show. And she's the only one in this movie that is actually a recognizable face. Like, uh, like I knew who she was. Oh, yeah. It looks like she was in Veronica Mars, which I didn't see. Uh, she was in House of Lies, which I saw a little bit of. Yeah, she's done a lot of TV stuff. Uh, she was... I, I, I liked her. All right, so we got some trivia for us. Uh, in order to make this sequel as surprising as possible, this entire uh, filming was done in complete secrecy in Vancouver, as opposed to Burgettsville, where the original was shot. The film was originally promoted under the full title, The Woods. The first trailer was then shown at the 2016 San Diego Comic-Con, revealing it as the third Blair Witch movie, a mere two months before it was to premiere. So, 
And uh, in the New York um, and comic. Speaking of Comic Cons, New York Comic Con just uh, revealed the trailer for the next uh, John Wick movie. Which I'm oh, excited I know for. I saw the little thirty second teaser for that. Yeah, and I'm excited. Yeah, nice. is it called Wick Walk? Yes, it's about it's a him and Forrest Gump walk across the country. <laughs> it's a true story. So it's a yeah. touching story of bro love. And uh, in preparation for another Blair Witch movie, the Burkittsville officials took down most of the Welcome to Burkittsville signs, as many were stolen following the release of the first and the second movies. Because you guys are a bunch of idiots out there. Seriously, what the hell? Well, yeah, that's the amount of vandalism that town went through after the, those movies, it's, it's sad. Yeah. People suck. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, director Adam Wingard stated that while the first film is about being lost in the woods, this film is about being chased in the woods. Not much better. No, because nobody told them that they were just lost in the first one. They thought they were being chased. In this one, they knew that they were being chased. And uh, director Adam Wingard used air horns in order to get the right jump scare out of his actors. <laughs> Which makes me laugh because of Homer Simpson and a giant foam cowboy hat. <laughs> Yeah, so the Blair Witch really is just an obnoxious sports fan. <laughs> it's just a foam hat wearing Turd Ferguson. He's uh, not doing the Vuzula's pad. So uh, throughout the film, freeze frames of the original Blair Witch footage can be seen on a screen for a single frame, usually when a camera is turned on or off, including, but not limited to, an image of a hanging stick figurine and the image of Michael standing in a corner. So yeah. That's subliminal. So yeah, this film didn't get uh, very great reception from critics or a lot of fans. Well, and uh, it had some challenges. I mean, how do you recapture that original magic, even with trying to keep it secret? Because we are in the post-internet, everyone knows everything sort of era. And that's the thing. It's like it's. You could do a found footage film nowadays and try to do it like you did back in 99. But the even in 99, the internet was so much in its infancy. Yeah, now it's, it's a cynical teenager that doesn't believe anything. Right, and people are going to research the crap out of it. And if you don't have people that are completely unknown and living under a rock in Antarctica, somebody's going to find out somewhere that they were and are still around. Well, and they took some of the other challenges, I think, head-on. Uh, another thing that they had to worry about is if you're going to try and do a similar story, if it is a direct sequel, in theory, the people who saw, who are in the second film saw the first film. So they know, okay, shit's going down. Um, let's not dick around in the woods. Let's get the fuck out of here. And that was addressed very Early on in the in the uh, this movie, um, so I thought that was something that uh, they actually handled well. Also, people talk about not just horror films, but a lot of classic movies. They're like, you know, if people just had cell phones and modern technology, this movie doesn't make any fucking sense, right? And yeah, they did they did address that, but I still say they should have addressed a little more the whole you know everybody should have a phone with a GPS locator on it. They never well, really addressed that. And that's just it. At the beginning, they had so much gear, and they kind of immediately said, okay, in the original, to carry the amount of battery power they needed to run for eight days solid or however long they were actually in 
intentionally supposed to be there, it would have taken some major hardware. And here... The first one was just two days. Well, it was supposed to be two days, but was right. actually right. closer to six. But you, you, the, the, the sense of time, well, you learn something different in this one. But, you know, it, it's hard to tell in some regards because it seems like sometimes they're out there longer than they actually were. If you count the number of nights in the tent, yes. And you, in this one, they don't directly contradict any of the supplementary material. You've got the fact that there's this brother to Heather who is suspiciously not mentioned anywhere in any of the other stuff. But it's fine. He would have been very young. They probably would have wanted to keep him out of the spotlight. And the family in, like I was saying, the supplementary Curse of the Blair Witch was behind the investigation. So they probably don't want their like four or five year old son at all in the investigation. Well, so, And also, let's just say, I mean, Someone like me, who was a fan of the movie, of the original movie, but didn't delve as far into it as you guys did. Him being her her brother, I'm like, okay. I mean, there was I didn't even question it. It's like, okay, whatever, brother, fine. <laughs> well, and they right. they just handled it. I think it's fine. It's like you, maybe if you're really into Blair Witch mythology, as I am, uh, you have to stretch a little bit. But it's not beyond the realm of possibility. Yeah, and it's absolutely no stretch for anybody that's not. So I mean, that's yeah. It's yeah. Fine. Well. And for all we know, he could have just been an uber fan who had made that story up and his friends didn't know any better if he didn't come to know them until he was older. That's a good point. So you you could even have that because you look at the, the character of uh, Darknet 666 who, you know, he made himself out to be something different than he was. And, uh, or you know, they eventually totally figured it out. They got lost in the woods and they're not even talking about the one from the original movie. So basically, this kicks off with Lisa Arlington, who is a film student, and she's been a friend of James for quite a long time and has heard the story of how his sister disappeared. And he's gotten reinterested in the mystery because this Darknet 666 posts a YouTube video with new footage from the area where his sister disappeared. And they review it, and he thinks he sees something that might be Heather. In the film. So they decide they're going to go back, but they're going to be more careful. They're going to take modern technology and they're not just going in alone. They're going to seek out the guy who put uh, together the YouTube video and they're going to bring uh, James' best friend Peter and Peter's girlfriend Ashley along with them for the project. They're all going to have cameras, GPS equipped, all have walkie talkies. They're going to have a drone so they can get an aerial view. They're going to do everything they can to make sure that they make a film and get in and out safely. Well, and even then, with that opening thing, they're telling, uh, and I wish I could think of what Darknet's actual name was, Seth Lane. or Lane, Lane, that Lane and his girlfriend are going to take them to where they found the tape. But from there, it's not, and I didn't, maybe I missed it, but... It wasn't, it seemed like they were just going to come back after they saw that, unless there was a reason to delve deeper into it. Well, so and it, it was a pretty big plot point that Lane basically said, Hey, you're going in, we're going with you. And because as soon as they get there, Lane is obviously kind of a dick. I mean, they, they get there and they've got all this weird, like racist paraphernalia all over their house which uh, Peter and Ashley, who are both African-American, are kind of giving each other the side eye. Yep. 
Uh, and they're like, no, we, we don't want this douche going with us. Um, but they don't really have a choice at that point because they don't know where else or how else to get to where the, the, the new footage was found. Right. So, I mean, he's kind of got them over a barrel. Right. And so they have to go with these two into the woods. And uh, they have a more traditional horror movie take on everything because you're able to get all these multiple camera angles. And they're really pretty careful about making sure whenever you're seeing a wide shot, you can see where they've placed the camera or someone's holding a handheld camera. Or if it's first person, they're looking at someone with a camera and cutting back and forth. Right. And they even established how they've set up the cameras with the tripods, you know, around the camp and make sure you that it's revealed where everything is coming from. Right. So you don't go, oh, well, this is more of a narrative style for a film. Uh, and I think that was pretty effective. Yeah, I agree. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I, before we get too, too deep in it, are we calling spoilers because this is still in the theaters or not? Like, no, we've been doing this for three years. People yes. know we spoil whatever we're talking about. I know, but I always got to bring it up. I know, but we things. don't have to have this conversation every time. Every time. Blair it's... Witch is an alien. The end. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a stick. Wow, it's funny you should say that, Darth Mike. But we'll get to that later. No, no, no. I know we'll exactly get... why I'm saying that. Rosebud is oh, okay. a sled. Batman what? is Robin Hood. What? what? <laughs> he doesn't give to the poor. Well, he could if he wanted anyway. to. So one of the other things I thought really worked very well is they get there, they have their discussions, very similar to the first movie, they're talking, and they camp the night, and they wake up in the morning, there's the wicker stick figure things all around the camp, and they're immediately like, fuck this shit, I'm out. They uh, They know what happened in the first movie, and they're like, yep. That's right. We're packing up and we are leaving. Uh, we're we're not trying to make a movie anymore. We're just going before we're all dead. And that doesn't oh. go so well for them. Nope. Because soon they realize that the uh, the stick figures are tied together by suspiciously similar to um, items to what uh, Lane and his girlfriend seem to have on their person. Yeah, the the twine that the stick figures were made of is poking out of Lane's backpack, and Lisa notices it as they're walking to the car, and a fight immediately breaks out, and uh, Lane uh, says, yeah, yeah, okay, we, we faked those things, but we just wanted you to believe all this is real, and they immediately basically drive them off and... Yeah, and uh, it's also admitted in that point that uh, Lane and Talia have never spent the night out in the woods. Uh, they always wanted to, but they didn't think it would be safe with just the two of them. And they were basically using this group to finally go in the woods and feel like it was safe to do so. But they got the old school banishing instead. Yeah. Nothing can happen if there's six of us. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then... Uh. If people who are paying attention in the first movie know how this is going to go. They use the GPS, they walk straight in one direction, and end up back at the campsite. And at that point, it's too late to turn around. But Blair Witch gotcha. they, they continue. And you know what's interesting about this is that even though it's it's technically a sequel, and this is kind of a trend in in modern remakes, reimaginings, whatever reimaginings, they uh they kind of retell the story in a lot of ways, but with different 
twists and turns. Because there's a lot of the same plot points. But they play even more with time on this because uh, in addition to Ashley having injured her foot on the first day and uh, having a sudden burst of pain from her foot, meaning they have to break camp, the first morning they wake up, they realize that they've somehow slept till 2 p.m. But it's still dark. No, that's that's the next day. That's the next day. That's that's the next day where they actually wake up at 7 a.m., and it's still dark outside. But See, the very first morning, before you even know anything's going on, before they even find the stick figures, they look at their watch and they're like, how do we sleep till two? Right. And you're not sure at that point, did they really sleep till two? Was something switched with their watches? Or is it is it the, the woods themselves or the witch that's causing it? Well, that's one of the one of the theories out there was that the the showing of the um, the stick figures is you're the crossing over into the realm that the Blair Witch controls. I think that's probably pretty accurate from what we can see. It's kind of like the mists in uh, Silent Hill. Yeah. It's like once you've seen the mists, you're not really in the Earth Silent Hill anymore. You're in this other place. Yeah, you've shifted. Like you're in you hell. Sleep in, in Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, and that's something that's interesting about this this version of it is that they really delve pretty deeply into the fact that i mean once after this happens and they start to go back through their day once the the nightfall comes again they run into is that this night when lane and and all sorts of stuff starts to happen because you've got thing like something under ashley's skin pushing out of her wound yeah that was weird and then uh to help her out, Peter goes off by himself to get firewood, even though he knows it's dangerous. He's He's got to get her warm because uh, she's feeling cold and he's afraid she's going to die out here. Yeah, and she's obviously got some sort of infection happening. Yeah. yeah. So they're all, despite their knowing better, they set up security cameras. They're like, this is all a bad idea, but we don't have a choice. And then suddenly Lane and Talia bust back into the camp and Lane it looks haggard, and he says, when was the last time you saw us? And they're like, uh, get the fuck out of here. We saw you a couple hours ago, and we told you to get bent. He's like, that was five days ago. Right. And you can tell from the look of them, they look hungry, they look tired, they're completely disheveled, they're covered in dirt and all kinds of crap. And Talia, the first thing she says is, do you have any food? And that was the, the first moment for me that actually kind of creeped me out in the whole movie. Because, I mean, his sincerity, you know, when he's like, we've been here for five days, it's like, ah! Yeah, and uh, Talia, I actually found by this point, like, Lane is a douche, but Talia, even though she's kind of going along with it, there's this a, a minor aside where she turns to Lane and is like, are you sure this is a good idea? I actually think of the six of them, in some ways, Talia is the most sympathetic character. She's a go-alonger. Right, and she she knows that Lane's plan is kind of dumb and kind of terrible, but she's there to support him. And you could make an argument that each character at some point makes a choice that involves kind of where they end up, except for Talia. Well, she's one of those, I mean, <clears throat> she's one of those Brian Ring types who, <laughs> even though she's smarter than most people in the room, will never say anything. and just is like, all right, I guess we're doing this now. <laughs> Right. right. Just go along with it. 
and we get a couple of our first real big scares here. It's not as slow a burn. It's a more traditional pace because Peter has sounds around him in the woods that eventually culminate in a tree falling on him. And, uh, as and they truck away off camera. Yeah. They realize he's gone. They go out to look for him. Can't find him, but find his flashlight. Uh, Ashley comes out of the tent doesn't know what the hell is going on with Talia, and all of a sudden, there's all of these uh, stick figure wicker things around them. What and, did you call them earlier, Joel? Uh, totems. Uh, totems, yeah. And uh, Talia pulls one down. Uh, Talia's got a brightly colored hair. She notices something on one of them, and she's like, this has got my hair. And Ashley's having none of it. She rushes over, grabs the thing, and snaps it in half. And we get my personal favorite moment in the movie. As much as I like Talia, when she breaks that totem, Talia snaps in half. Literally. In, like in a great in special effect. Our, our first on-screen death, basically our first on-screen death uh, in either the original or this movie. Because yeah, you don't... Everything always implied. Yeah, you don't actually see Josh die. You don't see Mike or Heather die. Uh, you don't actually see anyone else die other than her. She's the only uh, one. Oh, that's not is. true. You see Lane die. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. Wow. I, I've only seen it once, so I'm... <laughs> well, plus I saw it like six hours ago. So right. my memory is super fresh. Two days ago, yeah. So... Um. Eventually, uh, they realize, okay, this scatters them. Despite her injury, Ashley runs, uh, Lisa runs, James runs, the tents start flying up into the air, everyone's screaming, the drone's broken. Well, they they fly the drone up into the sky, and and they realize that once they're up above the woods, the river that they were following is no longer there. The road is no longer there. All they can see is woods. Yeah, it's literally just, just gone. trees everywhere. That's Everything it. is gone, and they realize that they are boned. So as they start running, at least James and Lisa sort of stay together, but Ashley ends up off on her own. And we get another kind of effect scare as she finally has to deal with her wound and has to pull out the thing that's crawling under her skin. Yeah, what Which, What the hell was It was, was a little that? hard to tell whether it was like a giant millipede or a part like part of the woods itself, like a tree branch or something like a la evil dead. Yeah. It looked sort of like a cross between a millipede, a root and human hair, but it was clearly wriggling that I really hope you never say that sentence again. (laughs) (laughs) It it, kind of looked like the thing that was crawling on the wall in the remake of, or the, the prequel of the thing. Oh, with the yeah. the hand uh Yeah, it like a miniature version of that thing. Yeah. Yeah, kind of I'd say that's a fair assessment. And so, then uh, Oh, go ahead. The well, the thing that she does at that point after she cuz she starts hearing this whirring noise and she realizes that it's the drone and she looks up in a tree and the drone is stuck and so she immediately tries to start controlling it with the app on her phone. Of course, it doesn't move cuz it's stuck in the tree. But it's still going, and the sound itself is kind of disturbing. But what I I still don't understand what the decision was for her to climb up the tree to try to get the drone out. I got you. 
Because okay. we've already established that Peter makes a choice. He does something dangerous because he's trying to protect Ashley. He goes out off on his own, and that's kind of how he gets taken out. Uh, maybe not killed, but removed from the group. Ashley ha- still does not know that Peter is anything other than Peter is missing. And her first idea is, let's get the drone to go and find him. She doesn't know that the other two suspect something bad has happened to Peter because everything goes crazy before anyone can even tell her that. So she sees the drone and her first thought is, I can find my boyfriend if I get the drone. And she makes a choice to try and find and save Peter. She goes after the drone. And climbing a tree is one thing. Climbing a tree in pitch black with a one little like pen light sized, you know, uh, beam of light is another. And a fucked I up mean, foot. That, and uh, yeah, and a messed up foot that is obviously way worse than anybody originally had, had, had realized. But this is a theme that gets repeated and repeated. It's like trying to protect the people they love. Each one of the characters does something stupid, with the exceptions of Talia and Lane. Well, and here's also the first time that I remember, and again, I spent a couple of days, where you actually see something other than the people themselves that are being chased or attacked. Because when she's in that tree and she's about to get the drone, a hand grabs her and drags her off the tree and you see her, you know, hurtling through the air briefly. I, I thought something invisible pushed her. I didn't see a, a hand or anything. Well, we might have missed it, uh, but I, I don't doubt that that detail was present. I, was I, hand there? I swore that I saw a hand grab her and from behind? pull her off the tree. You say it's like from behind it grabbed her? Well, because she's trying to reach out to grab the drone. Say that again. It pushed her in the chest or pulled her from behind. That's what I'm asking. I've got the weirdest boner from this conversation right now. (laughs) (laughs) It looked to me like it grabbed her arm or her leg. I didn't see that. But everything's so dark and everything happens so quickly. And it's such, you know, it's all kind of haphazard because of the style of camera that you're getting. It's... It's hard to tell, and I could just be, it could be what my mind wanted to see. I don't know. Yeah, it's difficult to see if Joel, to say if Joel caught something we missed, or if he saw something that wasn't there because it's what he expected yeah. to see in the camera work as well. Yeah. So, not very long after Ashley falls out of the tree to her apparent death and we see her getting dragged off, uh, James and Lisa are scared. Alone in the woods, they just have each other, and they stumble across the house from the climax of the first film. Which it looked like a bigger version of that house. I it, no, I don't think it was. I think they, no. I just mean it from, from the inside. It was like one of those like a like a TARDIS thing. Like the house well, you know, on the inside looked, looked much bigger than it was when they saw it on the outside. It didn't seem I, like I, there were more doors. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's the case. I think that's true. But I think that's because of what more the of witch the time was doing. Warping of the. The, yeah, the but that was one of the, the theories with the yeah with the doors is that when you get into the house, that's when the Blair Witch is able to like manipulate the best. So all those doors that they were going through was actually just a creation of the Blair Witch screwing with them, which like a, like a, a minotaur in a labyrinth. Yes. To to hop back for just a second to something that I meant to mention earlier on that I didn't. That's you've mentioned your favorite scenes. That that was my favorite scene in the original was the way that they did the whole house scene with Heather and, and Mike chasing after each other because Heather's using a camera that doesn't have a microphone. 
And in order to get that sound, they had to use the DAP machine. Well, Mike's got all that equipment and his camera has a microphone on it. So everything going on in that house, you're hearing through his microphone, whether it's her vision or his vision. And it's incredibly disturbing to have that sound of her screaming as he's running with his camera in the background and vice versa. And when it gets to this point in in the, the modern one, and he hears that same screaming and he thinks it's Heather and what causes him to go into the house at that point, because this is what he's been waiting for. I had a momentary wonder where I'm thinking is because of the time distortion, is Heather actually going to be inside? Is Heather Donahue actually reprising her role? And has she been stuck in this house for what seems like to her years, but in re- or, or days or whatever, but in reality has been years or maybe no time has passed. And, um, I have a theory it, about that that we'll get to at the end. Yeah, it would have been and, creepy. It would have been pretty cool if like, it turned out that the people that were yelling for each other turned out to be the people from the original movie and this movie together in the house at the same time. I've seen some of the theories on this, and I think I know what Josh is going to talk about. Well, but, and it's oh, it's one ahead. of those things that I, I, I in the back of my mind, I wish it would happen because I, I love Heather Donahue and I miss her. But at the same time, I was like, please don't do that because that would kind of to me, would have spoiled what they did actually do, and I'm glad that they didn't go that direction. But anyway, you go ahead. I've been a little jump the sharky. We right. kind of get to, uh, we're getting to the climax here, where both uh, James and Lisa end up going into the house, James to go after what he thinks is Heather, and Lisa because James went in, and uh, she sees something, some creature that scares her into the house. Yeah, and it takes her a while to go in. She refuses to go in. And they ratcheted up the tension by having it uh, rainstorm, incidentally. Right. Everything is pushing her, baiting her, like they're being hunted, which was a theme in the first movie, in there. And while James uh, traps himself where he he sees Peter standing in a corner, and then he doesn't things start changing and getting crazy. He ends up basically barricading himself in a room and we don't see him for a while. And Lisa is attacked by Lane. And there's a really easy to miss thing. When Lane attacks Lisa, he says, you have to do whatever she tells you. And he attacks her and throws her into the tunnels that are beneath the, uh, the cabin, which if you want to talk about the best part of the movie, in my opinion, you know me, I'm a horror lover. I'm kind of a jaded horror film lover at this point because I've seen so many and I write about it and it's my thing. That sequence, after he throws her down in the crawl space or the, the root cell or whatever it is, and she only has one way out, which is that little drainage thing, whatever it is, underneath the house and starts crawling through there and proceeds to throw her camera in front of her so she has light so she can see. And then gets it's out of reach. And she gets stuck. This moment, and I don't care whether you love the movie or hate it, this moment I literally almost had to turn it off because I was so anxiety-ridden, stressed out, freaking out. I had a visceral gut primal reaction at that point that I literally have never felt with any movie before this point and have never had a a feeling like that in a film ever in my life. And I I wanted it to burrow. What's that? You had an overpowering urge to burrow. Uh, no, I just i I have a fear of enclosed spaces, and I, I it's one of my 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 worst fears is to be trapped in a small space and not be able to get out. And when she realizes that she's stuck, it it, it really hit me hard. Yeah, I'm right and, there with you. 
hundred percent my, myself as well. I'm I'm not afraid of like tight spaces. What I'm afraid of is confinement. If I can't like move my arms or my legs or something, I start to freak out. And like, if I'd have been in that position where she realized like she was stuck and her arm was stuck next to her and like she couldn't move anything, I would have started just like losing my mind. Like, nope, nope, no. Well, <laughs> yeah, think about I'm it. I'm stuck it's and this worked. thing is behind me, and that's two things I can't handle right now at the same time. Like, nope. See, that's, that's where I've it. got that's... it all over on you. I'm currently tied to my chair and covered in spiders. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing with that scene is. Is does she give up? Because if she gives up, she dies alone in a in a cellar that eventually is going to be with no light and pitch darkness. Does right. she try to continue to move forward to where eventually she's going to get out? But she's still stuck because she's in this house that there is no escape, and she can't go back because there's something behind her. And so it's this this it's this trifecta of just complete terror that Adam Wingard. I mean, I don't know how he got the shot, and I'm hoping in the the Blu-ray that they'll delve into that, but. It was it was incredibly effective. I agree with you, man. That scene was very anxiety producing. I was I was getting short of breath at one point. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, get the fuck out of this thing already! I'm like, move on. There's a classic creepy pasta story about a cave that always got me, and the imagery in this that stuck with me is being trapped on both sides by tons of unmoving earth, and actually like seeing a character in that kind of situation that was in that story that so deeply affected me. Yeah. That, that kind of, kind of got to me. Yep. The um, only other scene that I've ever seen come close to this was in, uh, Neil Marshall's, uh, the descent. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard that I should not watch that movie. It, it's very reminiscent of the descent. It's, it lasts a, a quarter of the length that this does. And it's not nearly as claustrophobic. But when I saw that, I had a similar reaction, but it was minor, and it ends so quickly, and they're in such a larger space that it's not nearly as as claustrophobic. But you know, if you want another scene similar, that's the closest I can say. But go ahead, Josh. Okay, so moving forward, uh, Lisa does escape the tunnels, and she gets back into the house. And immediately, Lane rushes her again. Only now, she's got a knife, and she just stabs him in the chest. The throat, I thought. Oh, might have been the throat. But she drops him. Uh, and uh, she hears movement and yelling upstairs. Uh, and she again uh, reunites with James. And they've been playing with this like Lisa and James are just friends. But they both have kind of wanted to be more. But have never acted on it. And nobody knows. So them kind of getting together. Uh, he's in the attic. She's in the attic. They uh, escape a few times, and he says, we we just got to go in the corner. She can only take a sacrifice. Uh, we, we heard it's dangerous to look directly at her, so we just won't. So they're both standing in the corner, refusing to look. And then we've got these moments of choice again, where first James hears his sister behind him, and he apologizes, and he turns to see Heather, and he's just, he disappears. And that's that's the scene that uh, ties directly to her apology in the original. It's another, it's that same beat. And Even the uh, way he kind of says it. Lisa has a handheld camera as well as her point of view head cam, which is how we get all these crazy shots going back and forth head cam. But now there's only two cameras left, the one in her hand and the one on her head. And we get this real interesting, her using both cameras to try and move out of the room 
without turning around, without looking, making sure that whatever's behind her is not something she's going to turn. And then she one more time hears James' voice behind her apologizing for everything that's happened. And she turns, she drops, and we cut to credits. That's now, her. It's like every single time someone is taken, whether that's killed or not, and I, I kind of believe it's not, as we'll get into when we get into theories in a second, they make a choice based on the things they care about and the things they love. And that's what does them in. They're they're baited. And that's another one of the more effective shots is her going back and forth from side to side to see what's in behind her, but not ever actually turning around. And there was one thing we missed, which everybody complained about in the original is that they, you never see anything. And even though in this one, you don't see much, there is one scene where she's running up to the attic to where James is that she goes down a hall and there's a split second where there's something there that's not human that is in the hallway and she, yeah, of course, it, it immediately... comes around the corner at the end of the hall, and like as soon as it comes into frame, she runs away. Yeah, right. I think you see it for a couple of seconds, two or three times. That now like it, it looks, it almost looks like um like a giant real life version of one of the um one of the totems. It's like a non human humanoid, long thin limbs, and you know dark looking and. Looking like it's almost made of wood, you know, like some it, kind of like it looked living. red to me almost. What, Mike, and, you were trying yeah, to and break one in of the there? yeah one of the theories I heard they called it the Slender Witch because okay. uh, it kind of looks like Slender Man with the long extended arms and that sort of thing. Um, though I don't know if this is what Josh was talking about, but one of the theories that I had I had read about suggested that th- since the Blair Witch does not actually kill anybody for uh, physically. She gets somebody else to do it. So, like in the first one, you kind you it kind of exposes that you know that Josh pushes Mike in the corner and then gets Heather, you know, because he's being controlled by the Blair Witch, just like the guy who was being controlled by the Blair Witch, you know, fifty years earlier, was being controlled by her. And then you remember he said it's you, she said I'm done, and then they find out that he killed all these kids. Uh, is that where was I going with this? Is that that's actually the stretched out monster thingy is actually Heather from the first movie. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't necessarily going there, but that's a, a good adjunct. Cause I, I believe that everyone from both movies is in some sense alive, but never able to leave, never able to escape the terror aside mm-hmm. from Lane and Talia. Talia's so death is kind of a disrespect to tradition, sort of tragedy, a almost voodoo doll totem of her is snapped and she dies. Lane doesn't make a choice. He doesn't even stay with his girlfriend when she goes to safety. He is interested about one thing, survival. And Lane knows that one person in all of the history of things going wrong in this woods has ever gotten out of the woods, and that's Rustin Parr. Yep. So he decides to do what Rustin Parr did. Listen to the whispers and do whatever the fuck they say. And I firmly believe that if Lisa hadn't stabbed him, the witch eventually would have let Lane go. I I so, believe you on that one. I, I'm with you on that theory. Do what the so witch says, what, and when she's done with you, she sends you home. <laughs> Here's your I candy. I mean, I don't think she. I don't. I don't think she would spare anybody. Well, she already spared one person because if you spare one person to go out and tell the story, you lure more people to the woods. She already uh, spared yeah, Rustin Parr. Yeah, yep. The old, 
tell them what you saw here. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's precedent for this behavior before, and Lane was going to be the, the modern Rustin Parr, but uh, Lisa killed him before that could happen. So, are you thinking that with the whole time distortion, the eternal night, the, the house, the whatever, that it's like a, like a version of hell almost? Almost. Like it's a never ending. Very similar to Silent Hill. It's like once you're there, you're there. You're tormented for all time. You're running. You're scared. Uh, maybe if you're there long enough, you turn into something like that Slender Witch. Maybe Mike's right. Maybe that was Heather. That's what happens after 20 years of running. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the other thing I heard with the that I, I read about was with the light shining in through the windows that the Blair Witch is actually an alien is another one of the things that I had, that I had. No, no. Well, and and that's something that I had talked about with my friend, Michael, is that what was all the light coming in from the outside? It, it, it presents itself in the way that they've made the modern alien story go, but I don't know that I buy it. I mean, you could say like, if she's something like Pennywise from it, where it's both an ancient monster and an alien sort of, Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, getting to the bottom of that isn't really the point, so that's not as interesting to me. Whether I, I believe it or not, I, I don't even have an opinion, because it's it's not something that I think is all that relevant to the story. Everything doesn't have to be an alien. Yeah, <laughs> except for the Blair Witch. Alien. Right. The ancient alien guys, everything's aliens. But Completely alien. It, it, is one, alien, one, but alien. it is one part of the film that kind of threw me a little bit and I didn't totally have a logical explanation for it. Yeah. Oh, then I've been talking this movie up, but my final opinion is maybe not as positive as I've made it out to be because there are some flaws. Uh, part of it is the acting is wildly erratic. You've yes, got James Allen McCune is great. Wes Robinson's great. Valerie Curry's great. Callie Hernandez is hair. I don't know what the hell, like Lisa was wooden. Uh, a lot of the wide shots that show her, she looks fake, not natural at all. Uh, I am not surprised that she is the actor in the cast that only has two credits. I didn't like Corbin Reed very much either. That was uh, Ashley. Ashley. I th- think she was fine. She wasn't given all that much to do. Uh, she was mostly the screamy type. And when so, they tried to, you know, like the, the whole scene right before she <clears throat> snaps the totem in half, was when I thought she was like going to turn into a demon, it just looked like really bad overacting. I'm like, oh man, what are they going to do here? But you don't take your worst actress and make her your final final girl. And I, I think that was a misstep. I also think the Slender Witch creature was sort of missing the point of the original film. It's like... One of the things that was so effective about the original film is that you don't see it and you do use your imagination. And I think showing any sort of creature was kind of pandering to make it more of a modern, palatable horror movie and kind of detracted from it could have been better without it, in my but opinion. Th- that's exactly my point that I keep bringing up. You know, it's like modern day horror. They feel like they always have to give that payoff. Yeah. Have well, to see the monster by the end of it. You know, it all, it, I mean, it, it, it kind of. I mean, kind of started in its intensity with Cloverfield, 
because they, they just, you know, they, they refused to say anything about the creature at all. So you had to watch the movie to find out what it looked like. And it was like this whole buildup of what it looks like until you finally see it and blah, blah, blah. And that's kind of like become the standard now. Well, and Simon Barrett did such a good job with the storyline of playing up um, a lot of the same, like I'd said before, the same beats and the same things happening that even the ending was not identical, but similar to the original. So in a way, I agree with what Josh is saying. But at the same time, it was such a split second. I mean, I guess once it's out on Blu-ray or whatever, people can cap it. But I, I, I 100% know. agree. I, th- I think even though they did do the, the trope of having to show it, I think they did it so, so quickly that it wasn't that big of a deal. It was almost kind of like a, a, a teaser. I don't know. I but, think they tried to have it both ways and failed in having it either way. Yeah. And I kind of wonder though, in the middle, personally, if they if they didn't though, if they wouldn't have showed it, it would have it would have played a lot more up to the theories that we've talked about. Where if she's you know controlling the people and telling them what to do, and they're going along with it, I mean, then if you it, if you never show her, then she can always be whatever the hell you want her to be. Right. right, and they make a big deal of the fact that a lot of what's going on may just be a death spell cast by a witch who's been dead for all this time. Why show a creature? Why does there even have to be a creature? Maybe there is no creature, and it's just the effects of a hundreds-year-old curse. Right. And just, kind of showing a creature removes that interesting wrinkle from your story. One of the Another one of the theories was that the Blair Witch is not physically a witch. It's not actually a, per, uh, a there. It's more like the spirit of the forest area, which is why she has so much control over what goes on in her little realm. She can control time. She can control the sun rising and setting. You know, she can keep you in the dark all the time if you want. And the the and stick ex- rocks up outside your tent. And you can't hear a thing. Right. You know, magic silent rocks. Uh, <laughs> So, and the other thing <laughs> or, was, the, or the rock's going to be as loud as she wants, and <laughs> right? Or she can giggle like a little girl, you know, whatever, whatever it is she wants to do. But she controls that is like her realm. <laughs> and the uh, well, well, no, I mean, say the one thing is that there are all these people, all these things that you're seeing inside. You know, the what the hell is that from the very the, from the first movie and the stretchy monster thing from this one is all people that are trapped in her realm and getting um mutated and mutilated by her by just being there yeah well and what if though i guess you could you could write off the one sequence in the hallway that maybe she didn't see anything maybe this is what she was being told she was seeing by the curse or whatever it is and maybe it was just her own mind playing up on her fears but but the video camera recorded it well there is that. Yeah, it's pretty okay. compelling. Well, I guess I got. Otherwise, it would have been nothing. just like forty minutes of girls screaming at nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. Never yeah, mind. I mean, it was like a date I was on once. <laughs> once. Hey. Eh. Uh, I can at least three times. I, I think we're kind of coming down to our thumbs up and thumbs down on both. So, uh, unless someone's got something more to say. Most of what I have to say is like my final opinions on this one, which I'll save until after we've talked about both. Anyone have anything before we go to that? Nope. Nope. All right. So original. I think as much much of a douche as Lane was, Peter made the situation worse when he could have just ignored it. Yep. Peter, taking the high road, you're already smarter than him, Peter. Just leave it alone. Stop laughing to his face. To be fair, 
Peter was the one that looked the most angry by the racist stuff at Lane's house. So Peter was on the fuck this guy train from the oh, moment yeah, he, he met him. And, and I'm, uh, I'm on the same train as him, but I'm just saying, like, you already know that you're a better person than him. Just let it go and don't make the situation worse. Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be? I don't know where I'm going with that. I, okay. So okay. Impressions. Uh, first one, it, it sounds like it's pretty obvious. Really? Thumbs up for me, sure. A huge thumbs up for me. Yep. Well, and I said right from the get-go, it's one of my top ten favorite horror films ever. If you had asked me in 1999, I would have said thumbs up. I just couldn't get into the new one to, or the old one today. Huh. Just couldn't. Oh, it definitely wasn't as scary to me. It was more just like watching a movie this time. That's fair. But the first... I base it just solely on the first time I saw it because I will I will probably never have another movie experience like that in a horror movie because horror movies can be scary to me but they never actually scare me and that one really did. Yeah, and I'm bringing all the baggage of all the supplementary stuff from Curse of the Blair Witch with me every time I watch it, so it's still as powerful, maybe not as powerful as the first time, but there's enough extra stuff where it's not just some annoying people arguing about a map for a ha- for an hour. Right. There's there's a backstory, and for me, every time I watch it, when it gets to the scene at the end where they're in the house, I get chills every single time. Doesn't matter if it was the first time or the time I watched it. Well, on I mean, it is a really Sunday. well done scene. That whole house scene. Yeah. It, it and the first time you see all the the children's handprints is creepy as hell too. Oh yeah. All right, so the new one, thumbs up, thumbs down, and thoughts. Since I think it's not going to be as simple for all of us as thumbs up or thumbs down. I've got, I've got one of my uh, one of my forty five degree angle thumbs up <laughs> situations going on with oh, it. Oh boy! Um, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. Um, He's at half mast. Yeah, that's about. I mean, I, it's it's a thumbs up, but it's not like a it's not a fully erect thumbs up. Um, well, for me, <laughs> follow that up. Well, for me, I think. Well, with my Facebook postings and my comments here and there so far, I, yeah, I, I definitely I think you want to have babies with this movie. I would give it a thumbs up. I th- that last scene alone took what the original one does to me when I watch it and did something that's never happened before. But I think what really made me love this film is that it's it's very much a spiritual successor to the original. And as companion pieces, not unlike The Thing and The Thing, I didn't care for either one of them independently. When I put them together, though, it made one narrative that I really enjoyed. Not anything I necessarily didn't see again, but I enjoyed it. This, they go hand in hand, and it, it felt it felt like it was the right time and the right people. And I, I thought it was really well done, despite you know the flaws. I think I'm somewhere in between Pat and Joel on this, where uh, I enjoyed, I think the things that worked really worked well. Uh, I anticipated uh, both liking it less in certain places than uh, I thought I would, and liking it more in other places than I thought I would. It's a deeply, deeply flawed movie, and the things it does poorly are almost bad enough to ruin the movie, but not quite. So... It's somewhere in the okay to good. It's a thumbs up, but not an enthusiastic one. And I will say in defense of this movie, with my review of it, I did see this movie on a on a 55-inch TV with surround sound in my bedroom. 
is not anywhere near like the experience of seeing it in the theater, so that may have had some impact on the impact of the movie to me. So, how about you, Mike? Full disclosure: It was much better than Cats. I'll see it again and again. <laughs> I'd certainly. Be- I think all of us can agree it was better than uh, Blair Witch Two: Book of Shadows. Oh yeah, totally. Million percent. Um, I took a turd earlier that was better than Blair Witch Two. Why would you take much more one satisfying? Of those? Don't stop taking turds. Just leave them where they lie. No, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> We've gone over this. This is why we won't it's, let you stay in the hotel not, with us anymore. It's not free pecan logs, Joel. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> All right, guys. So what do we have on tap for next week in October? Pecans. <laughs> Ew. Then and now. Next week is The Exorcist, uh, the show, the movie from, what, 78? 74. Yeah. 74. The original? Yeah. Starring uh, young Natalie Wood. Linda Blair. Linda Blair, not Natalie yeah, Jesus. What am I, who's, what was And Natalie? it was 73, I'm sorry. Not what movie are you talking about, Patrick? I don't know, it's my first day, leave me alone. <laughs> and we're going to, for the now, look at the a recent Fox series that's only been up for a couple of weeks. Yep, and I'm going to watch uh, Exorcist 3, too, because I like that. And uh, I think... for those of you that are uh, big horror fans, uh, good announcement. We are rounding out the month with uh, Amityville Horror and Poltergeist. Yeah. So yeah, we've got an unusually long October since there are five Sundays and five Mondays. So you're you're going to get a full five shows on the horror movie topic. You said it was a good size. <laughs> if you'd uh, like to listen to our last few years of October, you can check out our archives on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, other fine podcasting directories. Yep, and if you'd like to uh, call and give us some suggestions or give us some critiques, uh, call us at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. And uh, also, while you're out there, leave us some reviews. You know, say, hey, you know, yeah. I like this show. We appreciate that. Or maybe your critiques, you can fuck off. Maybe your Blair Witch theory is not going to be appropriate for a ten-minute rambling voicemail, but it would be great as an email. You can shoot us that email at fortygo14 at gmail.com. Reach out to us on Twitter at fortygo14, or visit our Facebook page. Just search for Forty Going on Fourteen. Right on. Should we mention that one of the bonuses to leaving a voicemail is uh, sometimes Google has a really really funny translation. Oh, if they've been listening, they know that. Yeah, all right. Pat's just like, I want voicemails. Send right. me voicemails. Give us voicemails. It's all right. All your voicemails are belong to us. <laughs> I'm going to get my exorcist on this week. I can't wait. I love that movie. I'm going to make my Suzanne watch it. She's never seen it. They need to remake it. Rosemary's Baby. Oh. They did. Did they? They did? Yeah, there was a TV show. There was a, t- a miniseries. Oh, uh, that I believe was Zoe. Zoe Saldana was in it as the lead. I gotta check that out. Maybe, but yeah, they just they just did that. That was not that long ago, actually. This this is not a dream. This is really I, happening. Because I love the original Rosemary's Baby. Right. Um, uh, hold on, I'm looking. It's this got up one two thousand and nine. <laughs> well, let's talk about this after the show. Yeah. Play us off, keyboard cat. <laughs> yeah, Zoe Saldana. It was uh, two thousand fourteen. Oh, rest in peace, Fatso. It was the keyboard cat.
picking up on that. Yes. I had a Keyboard Cat t-shirt. I ordered one of the Keyboard Cat t-shirts. That's probably how you're actually going to end the show, isn't it? 